John Andrzejczyk again. Today on 11-5, two days after the general election, I'm actually recording from Longview, Washington, visiting some family here, sitting out on the deck, enjoying the fine, rainy, coastal weather that's offered so often here, and joining me via cell from phone, excuse me, from Missoula, Montana, is my friend and comrade and frequent flyer here on my recordings and my podcasts and uh, uh, radio show labor lines is Mark Anderlich, lifelong community and union activist, going to go over some of the uh, effects of the election in Montana and uh, get into uh, how uh, labor looks at that, how labor should look at that, where it puts the workers or path ahead. And um, it will just be uh, free flowing here for a while, Mark. So thanks for coming on board. Right. <laughs> we may, we may, yeah, we keep this up. We'll get on someone's watch list, but <laughs> good, 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 bad, or indifferent. Yeah. We'll wear it as a badge of honor. But go ahead, Mark. Thanks again. Well, sure. Um, so I'm I, I'm in Montana, and uh, this past election has been um, uh, actually pretty historic, where every single uh, Montana leader. Um, political leader um, has uh, been defeated, except for John Tester, Senator John Tester, who wasn't running. Um, and uh, it was a clean sweep for Republicans in the state of Montana. Um, and so, uh, which is, uh, some people might think, well, that's kind of unusual, or not unusual, that, you know, Montana's a red state. Well, Montana's a purple state, really, and um, and always has been. And so, uh, you know, we've had a Democratic governor for the last 16 years. And um, so, you know, there's a lot of crying in the beer um, in, uh, you know, lots of circles here in Montana about that. But, you know, in my opinion, it's kind of been a long time in coming that the uh, Democratic Party has been um, which is heavily dependent upon uh, unions in the state, um, has been uh, really uh, not creating an identity separate from the Republicans, as it were. And uh, so, uh, you know, have been been able to skate by, in my opinion, you know, for, for many election cycles. And finally, this one is, is kind of the coup de grace in terms of you know, the Montana Democrats' um, uh, strategy and, and identity even, um, which is, you know, uh, an opportunity as well. So, um that's a you, you made some good points right out of the bat. Is that the uh, I think you can say that on a national level as well as state levels, uh, from my experience in Idaho, is the Democrats struggle to clearly define themselves against the Republicans. And uh, we've talked about this. I would say uh, that that's been going on for decades, literally. Um, and uh, uh, again, our poster child, from our perspective, I think it's safe to say you and I, Mark, and uh, millions of others out there, uh, maybe not that many, but certainly uh, plenty of people that are engaged and have been engaged in labor and workers' movement. Uh, Clinton really is the poster child on that because he really made that bet. Uh, you know, instead of a full-throated defense of civil society against Reagan, 
um, that, you know, Reagan's the uh, government's the problem. All Clinton could say was the era of big government was over. Um, you, the Clinton faction, uh, which is represented by Biden, um, made this bet that they could take on the cultural wars and win. And uh, Trump called them on that. Uh, going back to Montana, though, so that said, saying that, uh, one thing he brought up, but also uh, from the face of it, having lived in Montana for 20 years, uh, I thought it was a relatively good uh, uh, list you guys had at, of uh, candidates on it, if you will. Good ballot on there. Bullock, we had won the governorship and was running for Senate. Uh, uh-huh. uh, your lieutenant governor was running for governor. Uh, did 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 you even lose like OPI all across the line? Attorney general, were they all up? Yep, they were all up, and and the Democrats lost every single one of them. And that's a great point because there there were some really good uh, candidates off of the public construction. Uh, for instance, uh, the the Republican in charge of it now is clearly incompetent and uh, embarrassingly so, and really disliked by teachers and and uh, uh, lots of people. But she won re-election over a very competent uh, uh, another teacher who's very who would be very uh, competent replacement. Um, and I, I think that you know you you bring up a good point, and and I. How I interpret that is that, you know, there was, you know, Steve Bullock, for instance, had a very strong labor uh, uh, platform. And uh, but he, you know, you never saw that. <laughs> you never saw that in the ads or anything like that. So so it was kind of like, well, uh, you know, they were going after the uh, I, I think they were trying to mimic, you know, the Biden campaign going after the uh, white suburban voters. Um, but I, I think really this race, there was a lot of, there was a high voter turnout, like 80, over 80 percent in Montana. And um, the uh, and that meant that there was a pretty big cohort of new uh, voters, I think, who just voted party line. And they probably were really, you know, motivated by um, uh, the Trump campaign, and so they voted for all these knucklehead Republicans, um, and and most of them are. I mean, the it's just it's going to be embarrassing, um, and and it's going to they're going to be incompetent, you know, in large part. Um, but um, but it, it, the the toxicity of the Democratic Party nationally among the working class. Uh, because it doesn't stand for the working class anymore, right? It stands for, uh, you know, Wall Street. It, it's trying to it, Republican light, you know, as, as you you had said, John. Um, and Republican light is, you know, if you're going to vote Republican light or Republican, you might as well vote Republican. And uh, and I think that the toxicity of the national Democratic Party really kind of overwhelmed the Montana uh Democrats, who would normally, in fact, ironically, maybe if it was a lower voter turnout, would have won. But, uh, you know, that's all speculation. But um, so, but, you know, it does, uh, you know, carry forward to, you know, the, you know, what does the labor movement do now? And uh, in Montana, for instance, and I said earlier that the Democratic Party leans heavily upon the um, uh, union movement, especially the Montana Federation of uh, Professional 
uh, employees or public employees, and uh, which includes, you know, that's the NEA AFT chapter um, in Montana. And um, uh, they, you know, they, they bankroll a lot of political things. They're very heavily, uh, you know, involved in the Democratic Party. But um, at the expense, and this is my critique, right, at the expense of, of uh, training and empowering their own members, right, to take uh, more direct action. And there's been, it's, it's a legacy, I think, uh, uh, you know, of the previous leader of um, MFPE, which is by far the biggest union in the state. Um, over half the union members belong to this union. And, um, and they're very, you know, they had a pretty well-oiled political machine, but pretty much nothing when it, you know, very little to nothing uh, when it comes to, you know, building power on the job and creating a, you know, a, a, a labor movement independent of politics and the legal system. Right. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, uh, and I appointed listener, uh, any people that will eventually listen to this uh our talk here, Mark, is uh, go uh, look up on great social media, uh, the Restaurant Workers Council of New York City. You can find them, and, th- and that's their program. We were talking about that. Uh, it is interesting. Again, uh, you, you, made a, you made a good point there about how uh, Bullock's strong labor platform, Labor Stand, uh, wasn't used in his campaign. And uh, But you see that also there's some critique actually coming from the Lincoln Project, which never impressed me. You know, the Republicans, the last of the anti-Trump Republicans, uh, you know, maybe uh, that th- they criticize. There's a post on labor lines, on Facebook labor lines, which you and I are part of, uh, yeah. that they critique that why didn't Biden uh, go after the economic, uh, uh, the labor slash economic uh, side of things. But you also see that with um, the confirmation of, uh, what is it, uh, Amy, uh, the Supreme Court uh, judge, Amy uh, 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 Coney, is it? Uh, but yes. no one talked, the Democrats never brought up her anti-worker, anti-labor rulings. And the same with Kavanaugh, they never bring that up. And I've had right. some people excuse it saying, well, that's most people don't understand labor law. It's like, well, whose fault is that? You know, who, who, you know, well, you know it, 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 and, then, and again, it goes back, I think, to that bet that the current faction that runs the Democratic Party. And if anyone wants to come to me, you can get hold of me at laborlinejohn at yahoo.com and say that uh, Republicans are worse. It's like bon appetit. I don't even talk about Republicans typically, uh, Mark. Uh, yeah. You know, I let, you know, so um, it, it's, again, they made that bet on the culture wars on being, and uh, again, they poured that cup, which, which leaves, uh, as I commented, hung out, as you say, hung myself out, that it, to me it's so telling that a Democratic presidential candidate has to fight for Pennsylvania, has to fight for Ohio, right. has to fight for right. Michigan, has to fight for Wisconsin, you know, uh, where we just, people even stop and think about why do we call that the Rust Belt? Do we even think right. about, and I always say, do we even think about uh, all the millions of uh, human stories behind that turning into the Rust Belt. Um, so yeah, going and again, you know, how how is labor going to empower itself 
in uh, in the political system, um, uh, you know, uh, but also more importantly, I think you would agree, Mark, uh, in the workplace. So that I mean, that's where our strength inherently lies, isn't it? Right. Yeah. And, and exactly right. I think that it's. Um, you know, uh, people can make comments about, uh, like I was engaged in a conversation about, you know, that employers have been winning these expanded management rights and collective bargaining agreements. And, um, and you know, to the effect of saying, well, there ought to be a law. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, um, no, the law is not going to help you in that. It's like you you need a you need a, a strong bargaining committee. You need you need workers organized to take action in support of things that you want to get in your contract to go on strike, uh, and and be prepared to do that at a moment's notice. Um, and uh, and that's how you that, you know. And then bargain tough, right? Don't bargain concessionary contracts. You get you get that you know that combination, and you're going to defeat those management right clauses, uh, you know, left and right, and and that power that you develop in the workplace is independent of whoever's in political office. It's independent, and whoever sits in the judiciary, it's independent of whoever sits on the National Labor Relations Board, okay? They may come along and do something else, but then, you know, look, <laughs> workers, for the most part of, of all of history, have have always had to fight and, um, and fight on the job and fight all the, you know, having the odds stacked against us. And um, we're able to, you know, uh, win sometimes and lose sometimes. But um, we have put too much reliance, in my opinion, on the NLRB and on Democratic politicians to protect us. I mean, look, the, the, you were right, really starting with Clinton pretty much big time and continuing all the way through Biden that, um, you know, the, what the Democrats want is not the working class. What the Democrats want is the working class vote, and then they can ignore us, right? I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say that, right? And, uh, and, and But it's true. And so it's kind of, you know, is the Democratic Party really a pro-labor party? Can we really trust in them? I don't think so. And we might, you know, individual politicians, but right now, the, the, as you say, the faction that's controlling the National Democratic Party is completely neoliberal, right? And they, and and solidarity is antithetical to neoliberalism. That's the two; it, they don't compute together. So, and one other thing too, um, I've heard more than one commentator say that the future of the Republican Party is to become the party of the working class because the Democrats have abandoned the working class. And you know what? It's kind of like uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's an odd thing to, to realize, but um, it, it actually could be true because there are Republicans who are very sympathetic to labor. And, um, and so who knows? Who knows if that's going to get any traction because that's still pretty much a a totally captured neoliberal party too, and and I think that's probably just you know people maybe wishful thinking perhaps, but 
Um, yeah, so we can't depend on either party, and and, and both parties control the oligarchy con- controls the laws and how the laws are made and 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 who adjudicates that. And so, you know, we have to become more independent and organize our own power. Absolutely, we have to recognize. I mean, it's it's an expression. Uh, you know, it's an emotional expression, but the emotions, uh, uh, in effect, uh, create our reality or narrate our reality. But, you know, the, the fate of the worker is in the worker's hands, ultimately, uh, for good or ill. And I do agree that, uh, you know, uh, uh, labor, uh, or, you know, at Big L, and, you know, I'll defend them. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't allow personal attacks on, on our Facebook group. Uh, right. And I and I do recognize it's a tough position in the United States with our two party system uh, to begin with. Uh, and, you know, you can you know, and, then, and their argument is you have to deal with somebody. Uh, but uh, keeping hitched to the Democratic Party, uh, we're doing that at the risk of labor because, uh, you know, Trump has carved, carved that out. And uh, whatever the call is in a few days, um, that's not going away. That 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 configuration of the Republican Party is not going away and uh, might even get stronger. Uh, One way where you see it is on trade. Uh, You do have Republicans, you know, Trump turned that table around. He wasn't effective with it. He was ham-handed or worse, maybe, or cynical. Uh, But he's the only one. I mean, you know, before that, there was the absolute wall, Republicans and Democrats, absolute wall in favor of this globalization of uh, the economies, like you say, neoliberalism, um, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, Trump flipped that around, and and you know, we talked about this. If you have someone that's a better player, more depth than um, than uh, Donnie J, uh, you know that's uh, can uh, pose some problems there, to say the least. Uh, what, but I'd like to just switch around here a little bit. I'm talking to Mark Anderlich. He's calling him from Missoula, Montana. It's few days after the general election, what's 11-5. This is John Andercheck. I'm recording this from my daughter's home in Longview, Washington. Longview, Washington, I mentioned this to Mark, was had the highest union density in Washington state, a good union state, which is what I think is the second or third highest union density in the United States, New York State, Illinois, uh, Hawaii might be up there, and there's Washington state, certainly well up in the top uh, tier. Uh, uh, Southwest Washington, uh, Longview, Kelso, Vancouver, had the highest union density until you know what. Uh, we globalized trade. We allowed, uh, we put in the WTO, we put in NAFTA, and the backbone of that, the aluminum plants, I think there's one aluminum plant left in the entire Northwest. And the North, uh, that aluminum industry was built on it going back in the 30s. That was part of the... Uh, great plan of the damming of the Colorado of the Colorado excuse me the Columbia and that that all that electric power that's used to convert um, uh, the raw materials into aluminum uh, so here we are I mean here's the cup again it's got poured mark but uh, going again towards the Democratic Party uh, you know I gave you that call the other day uh, you know the great blue wave didn't materialize regardless of what uh-huh. happens at the White House uh, yeah. and uh, let's look at what happened with the House. At one point, the federal House, there was a guess that the Democrats would gain 20 seats. 
that hasn't happened. And then when I hear about the person that was uh, supposed to be behind that gain was Ronnie Mook. Ronnie Mook, for those who don't remember his name, ran the failed Hillary Clinton campaign. And here he is again. Talk about an apparatus. Talk about a rapper at check, in my opinion. Uh, you know, they just keep leading us down this path. And just strictly on um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Professionalist competency. So strictly on competency. You know, why is this guy still around, Mark? And compare that to how well this shoestring operation of the Democratic Socialists of America did nationally. Mm-hmm. And in Montana, right? Yeah, actually, uh, we uh, in Montana, we voted um, actually in my district. I'm quite proud to say that uh, Danny Tenenbaum uh, won election, 73% of the vote. It was pretty overwhelming. And um, he's going to the Montana House of Representatives. And uh, uh, so we're excited about that. Right. That's amazing. You know, and again, you know, and we're being told that, you know, you can't win. We were told that's why we couldn't have Bernie Sanders at the top of the ticket. You know, that horrible word socialism. Um, and uh, there they are with uh, literally nothing behind them. And uh, it, uh, they've done well, I think. What was it? 18 out of 21 candidates endorsed by the Democratic Socialists of America, DSA, which is very specific in their endorsements. Um uh, did well and uh, uh, against this, you know, billion dollar machine uh, at the national level. Uh, that's, you know, uh, A, going to come up with their excuses and B, keep their jobs. Uh, you know, it, it just, it, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's why we lose, I guess, you know, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, this is a time um, that the Democratic Party needs to get both the Montana labor movement, this is my opinion, right? My opinion, Montana labor movement and the Montana Democratic Party are, because it got wiped out in this election, right, just literally uh, wiped out, um, is we need to reevaluate exactly what we should be about. And in my opinion, um, you know, the... the uh, Montana labor movement needs to say, you know, we got to make working class people organized or unorganized, right? The number one priority. And we need to articulate um, programs and support programs that support people that have wide acceptance in, in the working class circles like Medicare for all. To me, Medicare for all is a complete no-brainer. It, it, it's got majority support among Republicans. I mean, so, uh, you know, <laughs> and we yet we don't have it. Um, and it, uh, I think that, uh, you know, Democrats could start winning again um, if they take a, a clear stand again, uh, you know, abandon neoliberalism, abandon trying to Cuddle up to Wall Street, the big corporations, and move toward, you know, uh, and, you know, even if the National Party doesn't do that, I need to move more toward the average working person. I think uh, there's a ton of Trump supporters and Republicans that would, or who voted Republican, let's put it that way. Montana's got mostly independents, right? So 40% are independent. Um, that that would attract a lot more votes. That that would be a winning ticket nationally too. 
And I think that the showing of the democratic socialists around the country, um, including, you know, Cory Bush in Missouri for Congress, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Jamal Bowman, you know, uh, Rashida Tlaib, um, they, you know, they're weighing big margins, right? Cory Bush won big in Missouri that went for Trump. Right. You know, and um, and she won, uh, you know, obviously in the, by speaking truth to power and talking about working class issues and talking about, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter issues. And she, um, she, you know, defeated in the primary a long time incumbent and an entrenched incumbent. Um, so, you know, I think that's the that is the ticket forward, right, on the p- political side of things. As, as well as, you know, creating the independent power. In fact, we're going to have to do both, in my opinion, in order to um, pry, you know, the, the fangs of neoliberalism off of the, <laughs> the body politic, as it were. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take, you know, it's going to take nothing short of a both, you know, political and street revolution in this country to, to extract ourselves from... Um, you know, from from uh, neoliberalism. Right, and I agree. And and you know, going back to uh, building political power, you know, we're both democratic socialists, so we embrace the political system by definition. You know, we we don't, you know, and we have fe- uh, certainly fellow travelers in the DSA. You and I are both members of the Democratic Socialists of America. Uh, we have those who argue against that, the anarchists and all that, uh, but. But just by definition, if you're a democratic socialist, you're uh, embracing some type of political system. And while a vote is not an end all, uh, it's certainly part of it. Uh, my sense of things, and I'm not I'm not the expert, uh, so it's just really 60 some years of living. Um, even if you can't win a person's vote to begin with, you win their respect, I believe, by telling them what you stand for, not telling them what you think they want to hear. Yeah. And, and to me, maybe that, yeah. yeah. Especially in a state like Montana. Yes. Because, because but it, it, even, even that is changing a little bit because we're having people moving from the outside in Montana during the pandemic. It's just incredible how many people are moving into the state, you know, apparently to escape big cities and COVID and all that. But, um, but there's been, even before that, there's been this, change in ethic, right, where, uh, you know, I was watching the ads on, you know, you can't help it, right? I mean, but this Senate race uh, between Steve Daines and Steve Bullock um, just broke all kinds of spending records in Montana, and and it was just, it was, um, the ads were garbage. I mean, um, it was bad-mouthing the other person, and I mean, actually, uh, Bullock had some good ones, of, you know, touting his own, you know, posit- positive, uh, you know, approach to things. But, um, but no- nothing, you know, uh, nothing, you know, to catch people on fire, right? Nothing, right. nothing to say to, to drive enthusiasm. And because we are in the midst of a depression caused by, you know, the pandemic and by the failure of Congress to sustain the economy and sustain all of us, 
Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, very little was said about that, you know, and, um, if, if anything, I don't remember anything being talked about that. And to me, that's kind of, that's sort of the biggest worry I see in all sorts of people around me is, uh, I mean, are we going to be able to pay rent by the end of the year? Are we going to, you know, what, what? What what's going to become of my job? What my unemployment's going to run out? What am I going to do then? Um, it, these sort of questions you you didn't hear on the national level. You heard absolutely zero about that, and in all these other races, you heard zero. And so people are kind of like, you know, screw politics, right? I mean, um, right? Uh, or, or let's just let's just go for you know. <laughs> Let's just go for the one who will kick over the table, right? Right, right. And uh, and again, okay, I'm, I'm speaking with Mark Anderlich, a friend, a comrade. Uh, it's 11-5, a couple of days after the general. Uh, you know, I made this point uh, on Facebook on a group that Mark and I uh, put together and administer with some other great comrades, uh, Labor Lines. Anyone listening is invited to get onto Facebook, find it, and it's easy to join, easy to uh, post. We basically, uh, it's just minimal gatekeeping there. Uh, Mark, I'm gonna uh, just give it a break right here and come back to you in a moment, just kind of logistically, we're right about at a half hour, so stand by, please. All right. 